This is the best podcast. BEST stands for Business, Entrepreneurship, Startups, and Technology. I'm your host, Adam Sockledge, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon. We've been starting this since May. Uh, every month we've had great TED speakers on here, some of the best. And uh, this is actually kind of the, the culmination of it. We wanted to get to this part and it took us about four or five months to get here, but I'm just really, really excited. And I just saw Tim Urban retweeted this. So this is fantastic. He should be here soon. Speaking of Tim himself, let's invite him up here. We're just figuring this out, Tim. We're not as bad as... <laughs> <laughs> Look at this moment. We're getting used to Twitter spaces. Hey. Um, yeah, we Tim. Hey, Tim. How are you? It's Mitch. Hey, hey. Hey, Tim. Good to see you. I think the last time I think I saw you, Tim, you won't remember this because you were inundated with people, was at Physical TED. I'm trying to figure out what year that would have been. Which was the last one you were at? I, I went to um, 20, probably 2019 or 28. Yeah, 2019, I think. It was like the one before the last. The last one until COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't go to the, this year, um, but I think I went 2019 or maybe 2018. I mean, planning to go back to Vancouver when it comes back in April oh, yeah, or May of next. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so I we mean, get a I, chance to see each other. Done, like after you've gone through the hell of, of, of being there as a speaker and this incredible stress, like nothing is more relaxing and fun than going there as a non-speaker and um, having a bunch of extremely stressed out people. Uh, teach you something interesting on stage. That's not your problem. It's their problem. And you just get to sit back and listen. And it's like the schadenfreude is, is, is great. So um, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of like when you do a keynote at an event, the most fun part after is walking the trade show floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's um, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, something I don't want to, um, <laughs> I don't want to ever do one again. Uh, Adam, let, let's launch the room forward so we can get going. I know Tim's got a little bit of time, so let's get him. Uh, let's get rolling. Yeah, let's get going. You got that sound drop you want to play real quick? Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. T- yeah, Tim, we've got this. We do this all the time. This is a fun little thing that we have just to bring you right back there. Uh, is it playing? Hold on. Great, great, great. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Adam... Of course, the claps, the claps. My name is Adam Soklich. I uh, am the best of Clubhouse, but now rebranded as the best of live audio, covering some of the best shows, best people, best topics from around the social audio space. I'm joined by my co-host, Mitch Joel, of course, and our special guest today, Tim Urban. Tim, welcome. We have been doing this since May, where we're interviewing the top TED speakers. Now we're basing that off most views, and at the moment you have over 57 million. Uh, But we'd love to dive in with you, just like we did with Amy Cuddy just like we do with John Ronson, Julius Treasure, and hear about your experience, the story behind the story, what you did to prepare, 
what you did, what were those special moments on stage uh, as we've watched that great video before? Uh, and then at the same time, what value has it given you since then? And we'll dive in for about 20, 30 minutes or so. I know that your time is tight. We appreciate you having you here. I know the audience will be excited as well. Um, but Mitch, you always kind of get this started really, really well because you've been involved in TED for a while and you've met a lot of these folks. Where would you like to kick us off with Tim today? Well, I'd love to know what process got you to the stage only because your name that we would, you would see you, we know the content. It was to me, the sentiment of when, uh, not if, what was the conversation like? Who reached out to you? Did you actively search out Ted to get onto the stage? How did it work? Yeah. Um, so it, it's the, it started with, um, Chris Anderson, who is um, the obviously the, uh, the head of TED, the curator, uh, or, or at least was the curator. He's, the, he's been running TED since I think like 2004, 2001, something like that. Um, and he reached out. Um, he, uh, he, he actually gave a little uh, donation to Wait But Why. Um, before we had Patreon, we just kind of like people could just do a PayPal um, you know, be a patron via kind of PayPal. So he did that. Um, and I noticed the email address and I wrote back and said, oh, are you, um, are you Chris from Ted? And he said, yeah. And then he goes on to this long thing about all these thoughts he had on the Fermi paradox and on AI and things I was writing about. And he kind of said, um, you know, we should, we should, uh, we got to get you on the Ted stage sometime. Like, well, you know, we should, we should talk. So we went out to dinner and, um, and we had a great time, great chat. And I, I was thinking, you know, I barely done any speaking. This was 2016 or 2015. I'd barely done any speaking at that time. And, um, and, and so I'm thinking, you know, this is this kind of, um, uh, this theoretical offer, but like, I wasn't getting my hopes up. I was thinking that, you know, he would be saying, you know, sometime it would be great. Maybe to, you know, we stay in touch and a couple of years down the road, maybe I'd have a chance. But he actually was thinking like this next coming Ted six months from now, he, you know, he was like, no, so let's, let's do this. And suddenly I was like, this is, this is awful. I don't, I don't want, this is not, um, I'm not ready at all. I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to basically, I wanted to procrastinate. This is the exact kind of thing. I like having something, a big opportunity um, in the future, but not like in the near future. Cause when a big opportunity is in the near future, you have to, you know, do rise to the challenge and do hard, scary things. So I, my dream would have been like, he's like, you know, we're all full this year and next year, but, you know, let's talk in a couple of years. You know, that's what I was hoping for. Cause now it's, it's, it's going to happen maybe, but it's not my problem. It's my future tense problem. But he was actually talking about doing one for, for a couple months ahead. And so I said to him, I even said, I tried to get out of it. I said, Hey, you know, I have no speaking experience. Maybe it makes sense for me to, you know, do a bunch of talks this next year and then maybe talk for next year. And he kind of thought about it and he said, um, he said, there's no time like the present. And I was like, God damn it. He's right. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's like, you can't come back from that. I'm like, yeah, um, it's such a, it's such a like loser move to just not, you gotta just, you gotta just jump in. So I did. And then, um, and then, you know, I had to pick a topic. We, uh, we talked about a few potential topics, but he kind of was leaving it up to me. Um, and I sent him a few sample topics. Um, well, I didn't, I went home and again, you know, pushed it off to, you know, later in the year, Tim. And then finally Ted reached out and he was like, you know, Chris reached out and he was, um, he was like, all right, so, uh, you know, we got to pick a topic now. What are you, what are you thinking about? And 
and I sent back a few ideas and um, of the three ideas I sent back, uh, I think what, you know, one was on kind of like the exponential uh, growth of technology and what that means. And uh, you know, the future, Uh, another one was on the Fermi paradox and the third one was on procrastination. And Chris kind of immediately was like, yeah, you should do procrastination. And I was like, really? I I was like, kind of, that was kind of my third choice, like kind of a throw in um, thinking that the other two would be more kind of big grand Ted talks. And, and he was like, no, no, that, that, that's like definitely, um, that's definitely like a good one for you to do right now. So I was like, all right. Uh, and so Tim, I'd be curious that, yeah. to ask as we cover, you know, the leading up to the event and we'll get to being on stage in just a second, you know, your talk is, is tremendous. It's about being inside the, the mind of a master procrastinator. What, you know, did you rush this right up until the last minute or were there other pieces of feedback beyond the topic that Chris and the team shared with you about whether it was rehearsing or voice or, you know, anything like that, memorizing stuff like that? Yeah. So, um, so the, the way they do it, at least the way they did it then, was it's like a combination of you're, you're kind of on your own. Like the, 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 there's some people that I've talked to that assume that, you know, it's this incredibly, you know, uh, rehearsed thing and that, that everything is really planned and you work it through to perfection with them. And that's definitely not true. You're, you know, you're, you're, they, the speakers are pretty much on their own. They, the speakers are expected to you know, do this, you know, to, to, to create their own talk and to write it and work on it and memorize it that said, but it's also, it's, it, it but there's, um, but there is assistance. So the, the way they do it is a month before, um, there's a rehearsal live rehearsal for the staff in their office in New York. I, I mean, I'm sure some people do it, um, remote, but I, I was in New York. So I, I went in and, um, and so that's, I think for a couple of reasons, one, um, I think they want to get a feel for what you're doing and make sure it's, you know, it's kind of in line with the kind of, uh, general Ted vibe that they, that they want. Um, and, uh, and, and they want to offer you advice, um, uh, which they do and it's, it's super helpful, but, but also I think for people like me who would probably, you know, be frantically in the last couple of days, you know, trying to write the talk, they want to make sure that all the procrastinator speakers um, a month ahead have to get some kind of version together, which uh, if you're, if you're, if, if you're, if you have enough of a version a month ahead to be able to do it for people, you're not totally screwed with time. You know, you have now you have a month to refine it. And so it, it keeps people on track, I think, helps make sure people prepare at least a sufficient amount. Mm-hmm. So are, are you, yeah, let's go ahead, Tim, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just um, just kind of going through that process. Um, uh, I, I can go on forever. So if you have, if you have a question, no, the, I mean that, that's what we're here for. I'm curious, like when I see your style, I'm, I'm somebody who's been speaking for for many, many, many years, and I can't imagine it being Ted me tossing a topic and then starting from scratch. That's actually terrifying. I like the fact that I can add little bits as I go, and then over the year, it kind of refines into this nice little thing that I could get up on stage and do in a, in a cogent way. So it's, it's admirable when you're starting from scratch. It's, it's completely crazy. Are you thinking about memorizing it? Are you thinking about, because you, you know, again, I would never have guessed that. And I'm usually somebody who can guess when someone's making a maiden voyage with, with a speech, I'm usually able to notice the social physical ticks that they might have that might imply to me that this is new or they're not comfortable with the content. You're someone who came off to me as being extremely confident and good. Is it just a skill set you've 
always had? Because it, it, it's, it's amazing for me to hear this. I would have thought that you had, you know, a pedigree in doing it the way that it was demonstrated to me. Well, there's a few things. I mean, I, I, so I've now, you know, done, I've done a lot more speaking now than I had then. And there's pros and cons to that. Um, on one hand, obviously, you you have more experience. You, 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 you have a better sense of which jokes land with audiences. You have a better... Uh, you, you, if something goes wrong, you know, you just, you've been there, you know, you know how to handle it more. So being experienced obviously is great for speaking. On the other hand, there's something I, I, I think if I, if I ever look back to a talk, some of the really early talks I did, there's something kind of like very authentic and fresh about, uh, an inexperienced speaker, um, that, um, I think maybe experienced speakers lose a little bit. There, there, there's, there's, um, there, there's just, uh. I don't know. So I, for me, inexperience was, uh, was, you know, uh, pros had pros and cons. Like, you know, if I, if I ever look back, I, it's hard for me to look back at that Ted talk because I've just, you know, I've, I've made it better since then. And I, and, and kind of like anything I didn't, anything I did in that talk that I have improved is like kind of excruciating that, 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 that it's like such an old version of it. But, um, on the other hand, yeah, I, I don't know. So th- that's kind of the, the, like the, um, the first point as for me, um, I had I had public speaking experience in other ways. Like I had just done a bunch of wedding speeches, and uh, you know I like you know I, I I did some stuff in high school. Like just um, I wasn't like you know I didn't have a ton of like stage fright, um, although it was terrifying. But um, so so p- part of it for me is that uh, that I think having go- going with a funny talk because um, the other talks I was planning weren't funny. This was the only one that was kind of that had jokes in it. Um, and that was good because when the audience is laughing, it like, I don't know, I think for an inexperienced speaker, it really, and the TED audience is like one of the, you know, I like w- one metric I have for any audience is laughiness. Like uh, I like a laughy audience. Like that's, a, you know, and, and when sometimes like there's just not, you can be making funny jokes and they're just not in that zone. And so for me, like Ted's a really laughy audience, and for, as an inexperienced speaker, that that's huge because it just right away makes it feel like okay, like they approve of me, and they're into this, and they're they're paying attention, and they're not bored. Um, a lot, you know, laughter means a lot of good things for the speaker uh, on stage. So, yeah. So I mean, if I, if I came off, um, if you think I came off confident, I'm glad I came off that way because I was I was pretty um, I, I I was I, I knew that the jokes would land at that point or at least a lot of them because I had just done it a few times, but the, the you know the whole like I don't know the whole last half of the talk was pretty recently written and I was mostly the thing I was mostly stressed out about was not remembering what I wanted to say because I so on the topic of memorization like the, the way I think about it is there's. Um, there, there's a there's a few bad so if you're going from um, if you're going from you know starting writing a speech all the way to perfect memorization I think of it as there's a few points along that way so let's say point that we'll go through one through five so point one is you're winging it so you haven't even written something really you just have like you know, you're just gonna get up there and you know speak off the cuff that's that has its moments if you're just sitting at a you know a, a little birthday dinner and you want to stand up for 30 seconds and you know that there or if you're a supremely talented person you might be able to pull that off in a in a real speaking situation but i wouldn't recommend that to many the second stage i would say is you know what you want to say in bullets it's like you have the you have a bullet list of the other topics you know you have your slides that can kind of structure you but beyond that you're going to kind of just talk but you're going to next slide comes up you're going to talk about it 
you know, and you, every time you do the speech, it'll be a little different. I think that's a good place to be if you're, um, if you're a pretty experienced speaker, if you, if you, um, I, th- I think for, for example, for a wedding speech, I think that's a nice place to be if you can, if you can be there, cause then it allows you to be pretty, pretty memorized and just look at the audience and talk to them. The problem for Ted is that you have like 14 minutes on the dot and every sentence, every word has to be economical. Cause that, you know, you want to get a lot across, but you also don't want to, you know, you don't want to ramble. You don't want to, um, say one sentence kind of badly in a way where if you had just, you know, uh, you don't want to be, you know, where, where if you had written it, it would have been much more effective. You really want to, to write that speech. And so now we get past those first two points. Once you get to point three through five, um, on ways you can be doing a speech, I think there, now you're always on an exact script. So at point three, you're reading the exact script, which I think is not a great place to be. You can't, first of all, Ted, you can't do that. You're not, you know, you're not allowed. There's no teleprompters or anything like that. So that's not an option. But like for a wedding speech, I don't. Some people are super, super nervous public speakers, in which case that's probably the best place to be. But if you can avoid it, to me, when someone's reading, it just makes everyone tune out because the person's not in the room. Like it's like the some previous version of them who wrote whatever's on that page is the one you know they're channeling that person uh, but they're, they're they're not actually speaking to the audience and it just makes people want to tune out um so then you get to the fourth place the fourth point which is now you 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 you're memorized but barely like you you can do it with no pressure alone in your apartment or whatever you can you can you can get through it and you, but but suddenly you, you know the audience is there and you're distracted by a million things and maybe you're one of these people who because it's an because it's stressful, you, you you know your mind starts fucking with you and being like, this would be pretty awful to forget right now, and then suddenly you forget. So that's an awful place to be, in my opinion. That's like the worst place to be because even if you pull it off, you're so stressed about remembering what you're trying to say that you're, you're again, you're not really in the room. You're not looking at the audience and really emoting. You're, you're just trying to recite the words, um, and you you have a genuine like I bet you you're risking disaster because uh you know if you you know if you're in point two where you're just reading off bullets talking talking through bullets you can't forget your lines because there are no lines so you're, you're always fine but if you're at point four now you're, you're the part of your brain that would just talk through something is not even there you're just trying to recite a thing and you can forget your lines and now you, you freeze and you, you don't even remember where you were and then so finally point five is where i think if you're gonna if you're gonna get past the reading phase and you're going to try to memorize, you got to go all the way to point five, which is what I call happy birthday memorize, which is, so if you're singing happy birthday to a friend uh, at a restaurant and everyone's singing, uh, you know that so well that it doesn't, you don't have to focus on it. You can be focusing on everything else. You can be looking at your friend and laughing at them. You can be taking a picture and you're still singing because your brain just, your subconscious knows this cold you can be you know so and you could sing it twice the speed easily so someone's like okay sing happy birthday quickly it would be no problem for you that's a level where it's so down cold it's like an, an actor in a play you know it's like they it's you know the other actors know each other's lines because they just know it so well um where it's it's just like you know memorizing the lyrics of a song or whatever it's, it's it's not even a question you're clearly not forgetting it because you know it so well so my goal is to get there i think for ted talks unless you're a real pro and you can do Number two, I think you should try to go all the way to go, go all the way to five. And I probably got to four and a half. So I wasn't, I was, you know, I, I had gone through it a million times in the last couple of days. But the problem is I was rewriting kind of the last part again and again. So I, the final version was rewritten that morning. So, you know, it was still only, you know, a couple minutes, but it was like, 
uh, you know, so uh, that was my stress is like, am I going to freeze and forget it? And there were a couple times when I had like a full three seconds between sentences when I was like, I, I don't know what's coming next and just scrambling. But, and, 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 uh, I think at one point I said, you know, so I thought about this. And when I said that, that, that line wasn't in there. That was me trying to remember what the hell I'm supposed to say next. So there, there was, there, there was a little of that, but I, I got it at least close enough to 0.5 that I, that it, it, disaster didn't strike. Well, I love that you're sharing that, Tim, because as we've interviewed all these great TED speakers, Amy Cuddy, Julius Treasure, Susan Cain, they all kind of spoke about a lot of uh, key points, but usually one stood out. So I'm hearing you with the humor. I'm also hearing you with the memorization, and that's certainly very, very powerful. Hey, so folks in the audience, welcome if you're joining us right now. We're diving in deep with Tim Urban, one of the top TED speakers, into his experience. So we talked about the the beforehand. What did you do to prepare, Tim? We just talked about being up on stage. You mentioned it being kind of terrifying, uh, as well as sharing your humor. And obviously, the laughter can really change things. That really seemed natural. So it's interesting to hear how you had a lot of it as much memorized as possible. So with that in mind, let's go to the after. What value has this TED Talk given you since you gave it years ago? What, you know, how did it boost you? What, you know, what new perspectives, things like that did you gain from this TED experience? Well, um, honestly, the biggest thing for me was, um, I, I, you know, as I said, I'm, 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 I don't think of myself as someone who has a fear of public speaking. Like, I don't mind giving a big wedding speech, for example. Like, it's fine, you know. But for me, once I started doing actual, like, talks or, you know, it, you know being interviewed on, on, on something, um, I did find myself kind of, like, with this paranoia that I was going to, like, you know, oh God, it's like huge, huge stakes. And I'm going to like just freeze and like, you know, be my worst. And what I found is anytime I did, a, you know, my biggest talk ever in front of like the biggest audience or the highest stakes or whatever, suddenly everything less big than that, no longer, I wasn't, I, it no longer seems scary. And so Ted, um, pretty early on to do what is the scariest talk possible, um, uh, because, you know, first of all, it's not a talk. A talk is to the to an audience, and that's it. This is a widely distributed short film where the only actor is you, and you get one take. Um, and, uh, and so doing that and going through that hell made from then on, like, it just, I just never really felt scared to do a talk again. You know, anything, whatever it was, it, well, it, the worst case scenario is I botch it and these 600 people think I suck and then I never see them again and that's it. Okay. So th that used to be scary, but now given that how bad that would have been at Ted, it's kind of like, eh. <laughs> so to, to me, huge, that that's huge. Uh, that, that, that really made, you know, made things easier after. And then just, I mean, obviously um, it, it draws, you know, it, 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 a, a Ted talk brings a lot of people to, you know, people who like to talk, they go and um, see what else you're up to or think it brings a lot of people to my writing, which is great. Um, and, uh, and then just going to the Ted conference, um, which I've, you know, I've done a few years since, um, there's a, there's a lot of awesome people there. So I've just met a lot of great people, um, at Ted. So I think it's, it's been, it's been a totally after the, the nightmare of actually giving the talk. It was a, it's been a great, very positive thing. I know, I know you got eight going, Tim, but one last thought I'd, I'd be curious about is how it changed the business or the work that you create. There was a certain brand that you did. Uh, there was a, a vibe. There was a certain type of person who would follow you and be connected to the, all the stuff you're doing. And then after it, it really 
changes in a different direction. And I'm sure you're getting offers to change what you're doing with Wait But Why in other ways, whether it's different types of book deals or maybe TV show, who knows what, because it's such a big talk that changed the way a lot of people think. What was some what were some of the things that did change your business and how do you feel about it now when you look back? Was this a great play for you? Do you wish it would have evolved in a certain way? Yeah, I'm I mean, honestly for me it hasn't been too you know, there hasn't been this kind of uh, you know, this this external pressure uh, to change very much, mostly because the talk itself is very me. It's very I'm using my same drawings and um I'm, I'm kind of being silly, um, like kind of like I am on the blog. And so I feel like um, if I had done a talk that was super serious, maybe, you know, uh, then I can see, you know, if I wanted then, you know, if I, someone invites me to do a talk based on that and I want to bring out funny drawings and kind of be myself, I can picture, you know, that might you know, be people being like, what, this isn't what we, you know, this isn't what we want. I think if you, if you, if you have, you know, second grade level drawings as part of your TED talk, you're setting up those expectations right away. And so to me, I, I don't know, I feel like, um, you know, the, any kind of um, uh, kind of uh, attention or uh, offer or you know, opportunity that's come from something from this has, has pretty, pretty much been in line with the kinds of stuff that I like to do. So I uh, know it's been It's been great for me. Good, good, good. Well, hey, Tim, we really appreciate your time today. We know it's tight. Uh, we don't hear enough from you, but for all the folks in the audience, of course, please follow everything that Tim is doing. He's got a great, 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 great uh, you know email that goes out. You can check him out on his website, Wait uh, But Why, and of course, follow him here on Twitter. You know, for folks in the audience, we've been doing this for months and months, talking with TED speakers. We're going to invite you up. You're more than welcome to come up and ask questions and talk with us on stage. Um, so we, we welcome you to stay around. But Tim, you got everything that you're going on right now. What's next for you? Here's your moment to kind of share that with the audience. What, what are you working on? What's coming up next? I'm, um, I'm in the final revisions of a book that's taken me forever. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that is, it should be coming out in the first half of 2020. Two, um, and uh, I, I'm, as soon as this is off my plate, which is which is you know really getting close because it's it's in the final kind of final polishing phase here, I will um, I'm going to kind of I, 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 I my plan is to like explode with <laughs> a bunch of short blog posts that have been building up that I've you know uh, the list is the the queue has really grown so um, can't wait to kind of like be more actively uh, publishing stuff soon. Great. Well, Tim, we know you got a jet. Thank you once again. Really appreciate it. This is fantastic diving in and talking Ted with you today. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right, everyone. Well, hey, Mitch, let, let, we can't let you go without the. We got to give you the sound, to, Tim, before you go. Sorry, the, the Ted Tim sound now. There you go. Thanks again. You know, Tim. By, by the way, they they have updated that to uh, something different, which I noticed. So you but, you know you might want to. But isn't it so iconic that you kind of? I, just... I do like the old, I like the old one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, well, thank you again guys. so much. Appreciate you. And okay, again, like. Yeah, so yeah, Mitch, Adam, I, you and I have been doing this for many, many months, you know, learning it, learning so much from these tremendous speakers. And like I said, I feel like every time we walk away with one thing that really, really stands out. Uh, today, I know we talked with Tim about the humor side and, of course, the, the memorization. But through all the speakers that we've had, we've had some great ones. What are some of the key takeaways that you've heard over the months that we've been doing this Talking Ted? You know, what's interesting to me is – Look, I've been speaking professionally for close to 15 years, and it is 
the highest of compliments when people laugh at the jokes. It's the highest of compliments when people applaud the odd time the energy is right and people actually will stand without uh, me asking <laughs> to do what you don't do. And what I think we discover in this journey is how much preparation it takes to actually get onto this stage. And I, you know, if we're going to leave people with any message, it would be that the most natural of speakers that you might see on YouTube or TED or anywhere, or even live, if you really stood back and saw what they put into it. I was very fortunate, you're going back 15 years, my first speaking opportunity was actually one of these full leadership days. I was on stage with the headliner at the time with Dr. Phil, and there were six other incredible speakers. I happened to know the event organizer, thought it would be interesting for me to come up and talk about digital technology and how I was leveraging it again 15 years ago through my blog and stuff to build a personal brand and what that could be like. And I know that I could have reacted the way many people might, which is, you know, stand behind a podium or lectern, read off of index cards. But I actually took it really seriously. And by taking it seriously, and I mean working with coaches, working with stand-up comedians even to get some energy, training people to do presentation skills, it got me to a point where, you know, I, I would like to tell people that I survived it. I mean, maybe some people thought I did really, really well, but it did lead to me getting representation by a bureau literally that day. Someone came up to me and wound up being one of the larger speaking bureaus and that, you know, it was one of those crazy moments. And if I think back, it wasn't necessarily the content. It was the fact that I was prepared. And I think where Tim was going and where we've heard people like Amy Cuddy and Baratunda and Susan Kane and John Ronson and Dan Gilbert, there's this consistent thread of people who have put in such a tremendous amount of work to get the content to that happy birthday moment. I love that, by the way, his happy birthday analogy, where you are able to sing the song and be thinking about 60 other things because you know the song so well, it's natural. That to me is not only the learning, but the lesson. Many people who tell me they want to be a professional speaker or speak haven't even put in the chops in front of a mirror to have the ability to go up there and be that natural. And again, what makes this really unique when you lay it against other other types of industries, stand-up comedy would be an interesting one to explore. A stand-up comic on any given night in any major metropolitan city can get up onto a stage and work for a couple of minutes. As a professional speaker, I don't have that platform. I mean, maybe I do a little bit here, but it's not the same. This is very, very limited in terms of what you're getting from me. You're not seeing the slides, the visuals, me wandering around, whatever it might be. And so I'm in a, as a speaker, you're in a very unique place where the stuff you're testing out for the first time, you're also being compensated for. At the most, you're able to be compensated for based off of where your fee is at in relation to the industry and how it operates. And there's a lot to be said about the people who look great and are great and communicate great because of how much work they put into it. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. I mean, it's been so insightful learning from these top TED speakers. That was the the mission that you and I had five, six months ago, right, was to create good content. We both love TED. Well, let's go learn from these tremendous people that are the most fascinating thinkers and doers in the world that have 15 minutes. You're put on the spot, right? You have to be able to communicate effectively. Not only is that interesting, but there's key takeaways that we, as well as the audience here, can really learn and apply that in every aspect of their life. Life, whether they want to go give their own TED Talk, right? But public speaking here on stage at Twitter Spaces, of course, in interviews, you know, in their with their teams and companies, all those types of things. There's so many things that we can learn. You know, two things I, I took away from this was, for instance, one of them was from Julian Treasure, who gave like five TED Talks 
100 million views altogether. So really tremendous. He spoke about, you know, as he prepared, it was the voice that you need to prepare, right? And building up uh, that confidence in your voice so that you don't sound necessarily nervous or, or frightened or terrified or anything like that. There's exercises that you can do. And I'm going to put all of these insights together, by the way, for folks in the audience. Now that we've interviewed up to like 10 of these, eight or 10 speakers, I'm going to put that together and put that into an article and share that with everyone because there's so much value to extract with this. Um, so Mitch, would you like to open it up to q and I mean, we'd love for the audience to kind of come up and, and ask us questions about the experience so far. What do you think? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I mean, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. You know, we had Tim for about 30 minutes, and we'd like to keep these rooms open just because there's interested parties that may want to talk about what it's like to be a public speaker. I see some great people out there who I know have been phenomenal at doing this, yeah. both professionally and just ad hoc. So feel free to come on up and share your thoughts. Um, again, we usually do this in the form of conversation. <laughs> I got to tell you, I think Tim caught Adam and, uh, and myself a little off guard. It went so fast that we didn't even bring people up to chat with him. But hopefully as his time opens up a little bit, he'll be able to hang out with us a little bit more. So if you have anything to share, feel free to raise and come up. We can hang around for a little bit or we can uh, you know, shut the room down and move on to the next one. We've been having a lot of fun with these. Yeah. And I brought one person up before we get to that. I want to tell folks in the audience a quick story. It's how this all got started, right? So when Mitch and I had this idea at the end of April or early May, we started reaching out to folks. Well, I just Googled who are the top you know, most interesting TED speakers out there. And there's an article already on it. Now, Amy Cuddy was the first person we reached out to. She said yes right away. So that was easy. And actually, uh, Tim Urban was one of the first few because He's ranked number four out of all of the TED Talks out there. Now, it took us about three or four months to get him. So today was really special. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. I felt really... uh I felt amazing, actually, that we even had 20 or 30 minutes with him. So, But thank you uh, for folks in the audience who are raising your hands. We'll add you up here. Feel free to ask the questions that you have. The first person that we're bringing up right now, and it, of course, is in the NFT space, but I'm not exactly sure how to say your name. Is it Adare? Adare? Hey, it's it's Atari. Atari, sorry about that. And respectfully, I appreciate you sharing that. What's on your mind? I, I just had a quick question. Um, and first of all, thank you for hosting this. This was a really great, huge fan of Tim for close to a decade. So I always um, appreciate when he does speak. Like you said, he doesn't do this very often. Mm -hmm. So just that, that was awesome. So thank you for that. Absolutely. My so my question was, um, and it's mostly just based on what you just said, you're going to be writing an article. Uh, where can we find that? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, um, I won't be able to share that exactly yet. I happen to write a bit for a large so organization, <laughs> right? Um, that maybe it comes out there, maybe it comes out other places. But, you know, if, if uh you know, maybe selfishly you do follow along and all the great content that I help put out. I will be sure to share that on my Twitter account. You will see it sooner than later because there's so much insights from all eight or 10 of these speakers. And that's what we're looking for, the trends amongst them. Um, there's a few that already are, are in my mind right now, but uh, it's a great question. I will share that on my Twitter account to answer your question. But what else do you not have to show my, while you're here? Not to, show my, Thank you. not to show my age, Atari, but my first... My first play unit was the Atari 2600. And I'm very proud to say that I learned most of my basic computing skills on an Atari 800. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, the username is a play on my first and last name and Atari. So I'm glad you caught that. Do you have more questions for us though, while you're here? And then before we get to Raj, go right ahead. No, that's it. Okay, great. I'll just stick around and hang out. Yeah. Raj, what's going on? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, phrase my concern. Actually, um, I am 
I'm a product manager, so usually are most of the times we talk to people and various teams. So the presentation part is actually pretty okay. Even though I come from a non-native English speaking background, I have developed that skill. However, uh, I think the next phase of my career, I want to develop public speaking. And I realized that there is one problem that I face. And coming from an engineering background, you are already an introvert where you have to put in a lot of thought process. And then you come up with the, uh, you know, articulation. Now, this is, uh, this is where I struggle. When you want to speak, I have to spend a lot of time. Even when I was, you know, uh, coming up as a speaker, I was thinking, how do I phrase my question? So uh, I have to spend a lot of time and then present, uh, present my point across. Now, the problem I face is there are occasions where you have to think on, the, on, the, on your feet. There, you don't have a luxury of, you know, articulation. And especially when you have to speak for, say, more than two, three minutes. If you have to speak for 15 minutes and in a public speaking where you know, Tim was describing that you need to get to that happy birthday moment, you have to memorize it. But sometimes you don't have that, you know, usual amount of time that you can prepare, memorize, <clears throat> and then present. Is there, are there any hacks you guys can suggest which I would practice to, rather than mastering the script, I master the methods? Yeah, for sure, Raj, and I'm, a great question. Here's what I have done because I actually have the opposite challenge that you have. I'm really good ad hoc on the fly. I get actually more concerned when I have to storyboard it and stick and find the right moment. So everyone's going to come at it from a different angle. But one of the best tricks I would do, and by the way, this doesn't just apply to speaking. It applies to your ability to establish yourself more as a recognized authority. Questions that I get asked or might be asked about this. And this way you can write the question down and I would actually write it out, whether it's a note form or, or full sentence and think about it. What happens is over time, you'll, you'll notice the repetition of questions or you'll constantly be adding great questions. So what is that? One is you then have the ability to think a little bit ahead and go, what are the questions I may get asked? And what are the, what's the one or two things I really want to drive home? Cause you don't want to meander and be all over the place. Two is every single question is a piece of content. It could be a tweet. It could be a podcast episode. It could be an article that you want to write. It could be something internal. It could be something you share with your clients. It could be something that you share with the world. That process of thinking of the question, thinking of the answer, and then actually going beyond researching it and writing it out to actually publishing it is in and of itself a form of broadcasting. And then I would really play with it. Is there a little sense of humor you could add to it? Is there something that might make it more human? And then at the end of that, if you're going to write it out because you're more technical or working in that space, and I've dealt with a lot of people like that, it comes down to that same old question. The, 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 the happy birthday analogy to this would be, talk to me like I'm in grade five or talk to me like I'm in grade six. And by the way, if you think that's easy, like go home and explain to your kid, if you have any or niece, nephew, whatever it might be, what you do, it's really, I mean, I'm in like, I was in marketing and had a marketing agency. And even now being an author and a speaker, when you got to explain to a young kid what that is and what you talk about, what is a brand? What is marketing? What is it? Like, it's a pretty humbling experience when you realize that, we take for granted a lot of the vernacular we all use and there might be a little bit of the curse of knowledge there and that by dumbing it down, or I shouldn't say dumbing it down, simplifying it to that, 
makes it more accessible to others. Those would be my ways of of alleviating that stress. You're, you're kind of setting yourself up for going, I know I'm going to get one or two of these questions. The more you practice them, then the better you'll get at working more on the fly. Does that make sense, Raj? Yeah, it does. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, uh, this is a great trip. Uh, Tip, actually, I, I'm, I'm actually thinking of creating a blog and um, creating a video of why tech companies are different than traditional companies. And I had to write it down and then the ideas coming from all over the place. Your point of writing it down as a question actually kind of brings a structure and then storytelling form. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's also it's also reading and writing it down as a form of research. Creating a piece of content around it is a way of establishing expertise. I stole that line from Susan Orleans, who's an amazing uh, creative nonfiction writer. And it's so true. When you're studying, reading and taking notes, you're researching. But the minute you start writing, you're actually teaching. And if you take it in that way, even if you don't feel you have the, the chops to be that teacher, you still will communicate it with that level of authority. Yep. And to add on that, you know, Raj, the fact that you're here here on stage right now is tremendous, right? To learn how to public, to do great public speaking, you need to be able to get up on stage and, and practice, try it, run through it. You'll become more comfortable going beyond the memorization and just feel more conversational. So I love platforms like this with Twitter and Twitter spaces so that we get up here. Of course, we have great conversations, but it's a great tool to practice public speaking. So I highly suggest you and many others start your own rooms. Just have those conversations and you'll get more comfortable with it. Thank you, Raj. Uh, we're going to go to our next guest, our next speaker up here. And uh, we love for folks in the audience, keep raising your hand. We'll get you in the in the queue. We'll add you up here. Now, this name, I have no clue how to say it. Please uh, share your name with us. And, and what's your question? What's on your mind? Hi, I'm going to assume you mean me. Yes. So that's Karen E, K3R3N3. I use the number three instead of the letter E. So my name is Karen E. Good. Welcome, Karen. What's on your mind? Well, thanks for hosting this. It's been a fascinating conversation. Lots of fantastic advice. I wanted to share that um, I actually spoke at TED at 2014, and I was easily the most anonymous person on that stage that year because it was the 30th anniversary of TED. There were a lot of um, all-time, all-star TED speakers, some of the names you've mentioned, like Amy Cuddy and Neil Gaiman and a lot of, you know, really, really big names. And I'm a security researcher from Israel. I'm a hacker, a friendly hacker. And for me, it was a very significant experience. Um, most of all, sharing my face and my name on a big global stage and saying I'm a hacker. But more than that, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to share my message with potentially millions of people. So I just wanted to share, um, if, if I may, a couple of the things that helped me prep in my process and in my journey, because you've just shared so much amazing advice on this uh, space. I've, I've, I've been writing down notes. Um, and one of the things you mentioned, Mitch, is um, when you spoke about researching and writing, I, that's absolutely part of my process as well. And anybody that has an idea that you want to share out there in the world, some people are visual thinkers, but I definitely found it very helpful to write down as many of the ideas that I had and then distill that into a more spoken word or a script-like format. Another thing that's really helped me is a fantastic book called Confessions of a Public Speaker by an author called Scott Birkin, who is a very Scott's great. Yeah, Scott's yeah, amazing. And just so you know, fantastic. Karen, yeah. I was in the audience and I remember your speech. It was great. Oh, oh that's There exciting. you go. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Mitch. Uh, the speech was called Hackers are the Internet's Immune System, and I'm honored to hear that you are there. It was a, definitely a life-changing experience for me. And um, the book really helped me. So Confessions of a Public Speaker by Scott Bergen, uh, certainly because I think because he used to be a product manager and he's got a technology perspective and I'm a techie. So the book really spoke to me uh, about how to integrate technology topics to a broader audience. And that uh, relates to something else that you mentioned about how do you take all of those jargon elements and scary, you know, you know, technical concepts or advanced concepts, and you make them accessible for people. And, you know, there's this term dumbing it down, and I, you mentioned it. And I, I'm against, you know, dumbing it down. I never want to think of myself as dumbing down my content, but rather making it accessible in the sense of removing the obstacles, making it easier for people to connect with my content. That's a big thing I'm very passionate about because the security world I find to be fascinating and I think more people need to know about the hackers world and the security world. Um, and to end, just one last uh, comment. You also mentioned this and I think Tim mentioned this as well. Um, I was very inspired by stand-up comedians when I was preparing for my TED speech. And mind you, I prepared for those 16 minutes for about nine months. So I, I don't know how that ranks with regards to how many, how much time other speakers spend when they prep for TED, but I certainly focused just on that for nine months. And I watched a lot of stand-up comedy and I noticed that stand-up comedians also stop and they give a pause when necessary. So they actually don't speak for maybe 20% out of the time that they're on stage. And they also use that silence very powerfully as a way for the audience to connect with them and, of course, to laugh. So that's something I enjoyed. Um, so I didn't have a question. I just wanted to no, put my fingers out there. And um, I want to thank you again for hosting the space. It's been really fascinating to listen to here from sunny Tel Aviv, Israel. So thank you. <laughs> well, it's nice to, to, nice to see you again, Karen. And thanks for joining. And I, I would add a couple of things to that. One is if you want to get a vibe for that stand-up comedian experience, uh, Jerry Seinfeld had a documentary called Comedian that really gives a great perspective on it. And I would recommend that. And there's a podcast called Good One which takes a certain comedian's best joke according to the host, and then they break it down with the comedian. And there is so many learnings on communication, choice of words, timing, pace. It's a never-ending trough of great information if you're looking to learn how to better communicate. And I'll toss on top of the pile of books as well, anything by Nancy Duarte and Duarte Design um, is great at understanding the flow of how speeches work and how messages resonate uh, in fact, one of her books is called Resonate. Uh, Slideology is the other one. There's, there's a few others that are just jam-packed with great insights into how to take very complex ideas, communicate them in ways that don't dumb it down, but make it really accessible to people and at the same time compelling. Because at the end of it all, what Tim was talking about and what Karen's talking about is the power to transmit a story. And I think if we're going to do any real good in this world, it would be training the younger generations to understand the power of that. We've seen businesses, CEOs, executives that you know aren't that impressive, but their ability to get up and cogently communicate an idea is what have people buy into them and buy into the concepts. And I'm not saying they're not great in business and don't deserve their success. I would just argue that there are many businesses that have struggled because their leadership 
isn't great at standing up and cogently communicating, by the way, not just to customers, but internally as well. And telling those stories and having a capacity or understanding or even an interest in it, to me, it's a hobby. So when someone like Karen is up on stage or Tim is up on stage at TED, I'm not just consuming content. I'm actually analyzing everything from the gear they're using to the slide design to where they move to how they speak to what they're trying to do to engage because that's my profession, but it's not just my profession. It's an area of interest that I have. That's what I nerd out on. How do people speak, not just what they're saying? Adam, over to you. Yeah, Mitch, this is great. Uh, and for folks in the audience, we are taking questions now that we've talked with Tim. We love hearing from you. We've been doing this for months with some tremendous speakers. I'll put an, a request out there. Send us, send me a DM with any you know, of the of the significant TED speakers that you would love to hear from, that you would love to hear on stage, you know, diving into the story behind their stories, uh, because we've been doing this. And in a way, we were wondering whether we should continue or not. So we love hearing from you folks. I already have messages from, from others recommending names. Uh, please share those with us. But we want to get to one more question before we close out. Uh, Vipin, you've been waiting patiently. Uh, what's on your mind today? Sure. Thanks for having me here. So I just wanted to ask because I've listened to a lot of TED Talks and I think some of the things which clearly, you know, makes difference uh, is about, you know, having a good mix of graphics as well as good content. And I, I feel that even some role of a video has been there, right? If you see Hans Rosling, how he animates the graphs. But at the same time, I feel that, you know, having such uh, videos in the background also distract the audience, right? The flow is broken. So I uh, just wanted to have your insight about you know, how you, you know, captivate and maintain the flow while, you know, you have your presentation made and how do you balance between the two having, you know, having the right media, uh, you know, to follow up with your conversation, you know, oh, whether to uh, videos. Definitely one of my favorite topics. So I'm happy to, to give you some thoughts. One is, again, let's, let's do a bit of a pile on for books. Check out Presentation Zen by Gar Reynolds. It is a great primer for a lot of what you're speaking about. So I'll often get asked, um, hey, can you please send me the, your slides, whether it's post-event or... And the answer is no. And I'll tell you why the answer is no, because my slides are useless without me doing what I do. What makes it valuable is how it works together as a part of it. So, you know, when you look at a concert, people talk about the lighting design, what's happening on the screens, even how the instruments are placed, where the amps are, what types of guitars, how they're going to dress, how the set list evolves... The speaker has the same responsibility to the audience. And what I've found often is speakers pack their content so that they're almost acting as a conductor to the slides or the media format. I think the greatest speakers in the world have slides that are either minimal or very directional. Minimal meaning it's running in the background. If they weren't there, it really wouldn't impact whether or not you're learning or not. It adds a supplemental experience to it, so it's not distracting but it's adding on to. And directional, what I mean is if you're going to play a video that you've really timed it within the segment for it to really add value versus you being able to tell the story on your own. In, in, in a normal pre-COVID world, they weren't showing up to watch a video. I think in, with hybrid events, we're going to experience something a little bit differently where you'll have live experiences and then some watching together, which is just par for the course of this new world. But the macro idea for you would really be how do I make this complement what's coming out of my mouth? If anything that I'm showing visually or playing is overtaking what's coming out of my mouth, I would revisit that. So I want simplicity. Even if uh, you know, people often put many words on a slide, I try to cap it with 
very few. If I have a very big quote, what I'll typically do is highlight the key words, and I will not verbatim say the quote. I will talk over it as a way to add value as they're reading it because people can do those things simultaneously. So there's a ton of lessons and there's a ton of great people out there. I wouldn't necessarily follow the rules, but I would just really think about what's going to add to the visual experience of people hearing me speak and what's going to take away from it. Yep, completely agree. And as someone who's organized TEDx events before, you know, there's actually a TED organizer manual out there. Uh, If anyone's interested to check it out, send me a DM and I'll get that to you. But there's a a lot of great rules and requirements, but also tips for speakers as we coach these TED and TEDx speakers. So for instance, with one, it's that you are the presenter. You want all eyes on you. If the second they get distracted and they're looking at images, videos, data, whatever, um, you know, it's hard to pay attention to two things. So to read the text on the screen and to listen to you, right? Or watch the video and listen to you. So to Mitch's point, really, really good one. It has to be valuable. It has to add value to you. But really, you want folks to be to be paying attention to you. You're the expert. If it could go into a slide deck or on a one pager, you might as well have sent that to them and they don't need to join the conversation. But that's why you're there. And by the way, Nancy Duarte in her book, she talks about that third product. So one is, uh, you know, book or articles. One is your speech and one is what she calls the slide document which is I'm going to give you speaker notes, which is really a document that has the details and all the bullet points. But what you might see live is just the headline. So that's just another thought too. Yep. All right, Mitch. Well, you know, we've been running almost coming up on the hour. And actually, we've been doing this for six months. It's been an absolute pleasure diving in with you and these tremendous TED speakers, everyone from Amy Cuddy all the way to today with Tim Urban. You know, as we go behind the scenes, there's so much insights that we can extract and share with the world. Um, Thank you for playing that. Uh, We really enjoyed doing this. So again, we hope that you follow along with the great shows that we're doing and uh, follow up with us. We love to get direct messages with the top speakers you want to talk with and shows like that. We hope to do this again. We hope everyone has a great day. And Mitch, thank you so much. This has been tremendous. Always a pleasure. Yeah, feel free to connect. We're really easy to talk to and we've loved doing this. We've had some amazing events. And again, we hope you'll join us by following us. When you follow us, you'll be able to have access to it. And just to give you a rundown of what we had, one show, we had Amy Cuddy with Barrington the Thurston. The next one was Susan Kane with Julian Treasure. Then we had John Ronson alone. Then we had Dan Gilbert with Liz Dunn. Then we did Wendy Suzuki. Then we had Dahlia Mohagat, who was amazing. Then Susan David alone, and just now Tim Urban. So you can see the quality of people that we're trying to learn from and get better at with this. So yeah, please follow and connect and have a great day. Thanks, everyone. This is the best podcast. BEST stands for Business, Entrepreneurship, Startups, and Technology. I'm your host, Adam Sockledge, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon.